Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Uh, my guest on this episode is one of the more compelling boxing writers out there, at least in my opinion, uh, Mr. Adam Abranowitz. Uh, he writes for the boxing blog Saturday Night Boxing. We got into uh, basically the really interesting piece that he wrote recently about the streaming networks that have uh, come onto the scene in boxing, DAZN and ESPN+. We also discussed the state of cable television and where it will be in five years, uh, as well as uh, the state of Showtime and HBO. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be a podcast of mine if not for discussing the possibility of a boxing league. So uh, it's a great conversation and I uh, hope you enjoy. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, one of the best boxing writers uh, on the internet or otherwise, definitely in the business, um, Adam Abramowitz to the Boxing Esquire podcast. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me, Kurt. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, hey, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about your background in the sport and and where folks can find your work. Sure. Um, well, they can find me on uh, SaturdayBoxing.com. It's my website, and uh, oh, they can find me on social media at SN Boxing and uh, and Twitter also at SN Boxing, and I'm also a um, on the ring advisory panel for doing the ring magazine rankings. I'm also a member of the uh, transnational boxing rankings board, which is a uh, international collection of uh, boxing writers that also does the ranking systems. Um, you know, my background in boxing is, uh, it's something I loved, uh, growing up and, uh, you know, God forbid I could ever enjoy something on the surface. I, I just got more and more into it as I got older and, um, you know, I felt like I had had a lot of things to say, and uh, uh, I had wanted to get into writing uh, as a uh, you know personal and creative outlet, and uh, I was just something that I was fascinated by the sport, and it's just something that um, excites me and motivates me, and uh, I really uh, I enjoy following it. And of course, sometimes it's a difficult sport to follow for many reasons: the politics of it, the the fights that don't get me, the bad judging, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I strongly believe that when boxing at it is at its best, there is nothing better. And uh, uh, it is a, it's just a, a fantastic sport that continues to captivate me over the years. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on, on, on all of that. And uh, I would highly encourage uh, anyone to go to... Uh, I believe it's SaturdayNightBoxing.com. Um, explore some of Adam's pieces. Uh, as my man David Duenas would said, you know, there's a lot of words, there's a lot of information there, but it's it's well worth it, especially if you're you're a hardcore boxing fan and you hadn't already discovered Adam. Uh, really, really good stuff. And uh, speaking of um, Adam's latest piece, very thought provoking, very interesting, uh, very well researched, um, called Hearn, Top Rank in the New. American boxing paradigm. Um, definitely want to get into this because uh, obviously Eddie uh, made some huge news by announcing this deal uh, with a staggering amount of cash. You know, it's uh, DAZN, D A Z N, streaming service, um, potentially a $1 billion deal over eight years, which is a ton of money for boxing. Uh, I guess that works out to $125 million a year. 
Um, I'm assuming that that 125 gets spread over the 32 shows, right? He has 16 in the U.S., but I think they are going to stream the 16 in the U.K. here as well. Is, it, is that your understanding, Adam? No, I think the 16 is just for the American shows. I think he has an existing deal with Sky for the 16 uh, British shows. So he's going to do 16 in America and 16 in Sky uh, in England. So I, I think the 16 is just for his American-based shows. Okay, I mean, um, is DAZN going to stream those British shows to the U.S. so that so that the fans can see them? I thought that was. I, I believe. I, I believe. I believe that is. I believe that's the, the case. I just don't think that has anything to do with the rights fees. I think there's existing rights fees with Sky. Right, right, right. He does have. Uh, he does have a, a, a television deal with Sky. Um, but wow, that is a staggering amount of money, as as you pointed out in your article. Um, that's, you know, works out just doing the, you know, the, the rough math, it's 7.8 million a show you were figuring on, you know, there's overhead, there's marketing, maybe 20%, um, off the top comes off. But even with that, it's, you know, six, six point two five million a show. I mean, that's a staggering amount of money. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely something that will shift the, the landscape in American boxing. I, I mean, I threw out the 20% based on some other industries in terms of overhead. Uh, I mean, it's certainly possible. It could be a little bit more, but however you look at it, um, the per show average is going to significantly, uh, it's going to be significantly more than what the other competitors are paying at this time. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, on a per show basis, that's, that's, that, you know, you, you could combine, I think all, all of the other major uh, networks televising, boxing in, in the states and it doesn't equal that so it's it's astounding um you know i, I guess the the one uh caveat to all that is that you know for the most part we're learning it's maybe only two years of that is guaranteed so i guess they, they kind of have like an, an out if if eddie doesn't meet or, or the network doesn't meet some sort of uh, uh minimum criteria um, have you heard anything about those numbers or any of those terms? No, I, I, th I think that's right. Um, you know, it's clear. Um, I talked to a source in the boxing industry who has seen four of the contracts that uh, Eddie has offered the fighters, and uh, all of them are for 18 months. All of them are for three fights. Um, it's clear that he's thinking about this as just an initial two-year venture, um, now maybe he may change his thinking or reorient his thinking of the first initial foray he made, uh, or approaches to other fighters. Uh, this was definitely something in terms of, um, focusing on those first two years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess just, you know, following the, you know, tracking your, your article, let's talk a little bit about ESPN plus, um, you know, Top Rank announced uh, August 2017 that they had this this massive deal with uh, ESPN, where uh, they're doing 18 shows on multiple platforms, uh, supposedly including ABC, which we haven't seen yet. Um, shoulder programming, um, which in case people don't know, that's like pre post game or just kind of boxing programming. You know, like like Dan Raphael has a, a show on on ESPN Plus now, a weekly show or semi weekly show, and Chris Mannix as well. Um, and you get the TR library on, on uh, TR being top ranks library on, um, their ESPN plus as well. Um, now they recently announced they added 12 additional shows plus six international shows. Is that on top of, uh, 
the 18 shows they initially announced or you, you your map yeah, was a little it, different in the article yeah um you know i've seen either 24 or 30 uh per year um i, I feel comfortable with 24 is at least a, a guarantee um i don't know if these six additional shows are on top of that i felt I felt most comfortable with saying it's 24 guaranteed a year. At least half of those uh, are going to be on ESPN um, with others that are going to be on just ESPN plus uh, it could be up to 30, but I don't know if that includes, you know, five or six, you know, late pickup international fights that have very little to do with top rank. So I know that top rank in and of itself will be doing 24 shows. Let's put it that way. There could be, maybe there'll be up to 30, boxing events you know on the espn families but I, I do know that top rank will be responsible for 24 of them okay okay yeah, i mean the way i was reading it it looked like potentially there could be 36 shows because you got the 18 original they said there's 12 additional top rank on espn plus six international shows exclusive to to plus so. yeah I, I mean i i won't i'm not i won't die on that hill uh <laughs> I, I did my best to try and put it all together um, I, I, and also there, there are periods of transition and fluidity as this, uh, program continues to launch. So, uh, we'll say it's at least 24 and there's the possibility of even more. Right. But right. It's, it's clear that, you know, ESPN, uh, with the additional shows, uh, have been, uh, liking the trajectory of the, the uh, of the partnership and, uh, uh, the expansion of the agreement, uh, bodes well for, for top rank. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and uh, you know, I think you made some great points in your article about the uh, the finances of the deal because they've been such a heavily guarded secret. You know, most most times uh, the the details of these deals tend to leak out. But the one thing it's kind of a mystery is you know what licensing fees is Top Rank getting, and and you know are they getting? I mean, initially I heard they weren't even getting licensing fees; they were just kind of getting the time for free. But then, you know, just talking to people in the industry, they're estimating, you know, they're probably getting between 30 and 50 million in licensing fees. Um, um, I've also heard something about, you know, they have to hit certain viewership uh, thresholds uh, in order to get, you know, in order to keep the sponsorship money. Otherwise, they're kind of paying sponsors back. I mean, what 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 all have you heard uh, about the, the mechanics of the deal? Yeah, it's it's a it's a hybrid model. Um it's not a um it's not a per show rights fee um you know um in a traditional sense where let's say if i'm putting a fight on and hbo agrees to give me four million dollars for this fight and then i you know put the two or three fights together and pay the fighters accordingly um it's a combination of some form of of time buy or a reduction in terms of fair value of what the actual time would be so it's not uh, you know, so it's a combination of the hybrid, uh, of, of the PBC model of the time buy with the traditional rights fee. And I don't know exactly where those numbers cross. Uh, I'm fairly certain there is some incentive basis, uh, thrown into the contract for ESPN plus numbers. And, uh, there are certain viewership thresholds that they're trying to get as well. Um, again, I, I wrote in the article that these, these deal points are being guarded as closely as Fort Knox. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's tough to kind of find out. I couldn't get anybody to go on record, um, 
about it. Um, there are a lot of people that have different opinions about how much money Top Rank is getting. Uh, the one thing that I know is that Top Rank uh, isn't doing it for charity, and they've been a very successful business. And so there has to be a, a real financial upside for them, or else they wouldn't uh, you know, be doing this deal. There are certainly other deals that could have been made with other networks. So um, they're, they're, they're pretty shrewd business people. There is an upside for them. Um, I don't think this is one of these like break-even deals. Uh, I know it's a minimum of a four-year contract. Uh, I've heard that there are options to take it up to 10 years. Um, so uh, they're in, I think they're in it for at least the medium term with ESPN. And uh, uh, ESPN is willing to uh, underwrite losses or at least uh, um, uh, deal with potential lost revenue as they are uh, moving or shifting from their linear channels to the uh, streaming network, ESPN+. Plus, and they want to be the number one sports streaming app, and they're willing to make the investments and you know, take um, short-term hits in order to have you know, long-term supremacy uh, in, in online streaming for sports. So that's a, that's a very large uh, corporate priority, which goes well beyond top rank. Um, you know, with both of these deals, the top rank deal and the zone deal, you know, boxing is only going to be a part of it. So, you know, Eddie Hearn, for instance, could do his best to bring traffic to the zone, but ultimately the zone is going to have to have, you know, other sports rights. The, the boxing base isn't big enough to necessitate all of these channels being successful. Same with ESPN. I think boxing will be a, a portion of it or a component of it, but they're going to need to have other sports driving eyeballs uh, to make these uh, platforms successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, television is, is going through, you know, cable, just as, as you point out in the article, you know, it's, we're in a huge transition period right now. We're kind of, um, you know, all, all of the cable companies are seeing subscribers cut cords in, in the millions. You know, I mean, we, we've gone from, as you, as you pointed out in the article, you know, ESPN had over 100 million um, was in a, over 100 million homes. And, and now they're, you know, maybe in the mid 80s, you know, mid 80s as far as uh, millions of, of, of people. And it, it seems to be dropping every month. Um, so everyone's kind of scrambling and, and scratching their head and, and, and seeing where this thing is going. But uh, kind of want to take it back to, to where all of this, at least as far as boxing, how boxing fits into this how it all kind of started, I guess, you know, you have to go with the, the PBC taking the bold move of, of, you know, doing the time buys on all those networks and trying to get boxing back onto network TV. Um, you know, obviously, they, you know, their, their, their plan was flawed. They were on a little too many networks. Um, they had, you know, their, their, their programming was very inconsistent. Um, but they did have a lot of successes, you know, you had Spence and Bundu, you know, getting over 4 million viewers. You had, you know, a couple of Thurman fights, um, over 3 million, you know, Broner Porter, Garcia Guerrero, also over 3 million, a bunch that did over 2 million. So TV networks, you know, kind of took notice of that. And obviously, uh, top rank was a beneficiary of that because, uh, Burke Magnus kind of, you know, noted that, hey, you know, when, when there's great fights on, people watch boxing as much as they watch any other major sport, 
you know, it's it's you know as good or or better than a, a regular season uh, MLB game. So it's it's worth taking a chance on. So so Top Rank gets that deal, um, and you know, hey, everyone's happy. Boxing's back on 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 uh, you know a mainstream network with with a lot of support. You know, but but now you have this changing paradigm where all of a sudden you know. Boxing finally gets back in front of all these eyeballs, and now streaming comes in, <laughs> and it, it, it's like paralleling what happened to to boxing in the you know eighties and nineties when it, it went from network TV to uh, to premium cable, where you're, you're you're going in front of less eyeballs. Um, you know, it was I thought that was a pretty astute point that that you had in in the article. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly ironic. Um, Top Rank left HBO to go to ESPN, and and Bob Arum stated that one of the reasons why he left was that ESPN had almost three times the number of eyeballs that HBO did. And that's fine. That's all well and good. And, and you know, that's all true. But if you take a look at last night's fight between Crawford and Horn, uh, he's fighting. I don't know. I heard that the total number of ESPN plus subscribers right now is 300,000 people. That's total. I mean, that's not just boxing. That's everyone. Right. So you have to figure that Crawford was fighting in front of a fraction of the people that he used to fight when he was on HBO. So, um, and I don't want to, so that was certainly ironic that you're taking, you know, fighters to to supposedly a bigger platform and, and then put your best guys on a, on a platform that's even less widely seen. But I think it's clear to everybody that ESPN as part of their deal kind of forced top ranks hand by having certain premium fights only available to ESPN plus it's clear to me that if ESPN uh, top rank had its way um, Crawford would have appeared on ESPN. But I think there are certain fights, certain fighters that have been identified that they want to have uh, X number of fights that are going to be on, on, uh, on ESPN plus to help drive viewership. Right. And you know, with this one too, I think it's kind of a special case because I, initially they were talking about, this fight being a pay-per-view because um, I know that, that ESPN wants to get into the pay-per-view business. You know, everybody does, you know, I think, you know, the Mayweather McGregor fight, you know, wet everyone's appetite and, you know, for all that pay-per-view revenue. Um, but obviously, you know, Crawford kind of failed miserably uh, in his first foray into pay-per-view with Postal. I think what it did less than a hundred thousand buys. Um, so, you know, to my mind, I'm like, I'll give this one a pass. I get it. He's like, obviously one of the stars of, of the stable. And if you're going to, you know, uh, you want to put him in his front, in front of as many eyeballs as you want, as you can. But, uh, you know, the fact that they were thinking of this as pay-per-view and, and knowing that it probably wasn't going to be doing that great. And once I guess the Pacquiao, uh, part of it, uh, folded, they decided to, to, you know, maybe, maybe we put this on the plus and I guess, you know, it's better to pay five bucks for this fight than, uh, <laughs> than, than uh, 20 or 30 or whatever they were proposing for pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. But, you know, the, the idea of pay-per-view is to maximize revenues. I mean, nobody loves it. Uh, but the thinking is, if you're on pay-per-view, uh, instead of the 4 or $5 million that might be available on a premium channel, you have the ability to, you know, uh, generate 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, however many million dollars, and the financial case makes sense. So 
I don't think it's the exact same by going to ESPN plus because I don't think that's a maximization of potential revenues. I, so I, I think there is kind of a, a different dynamic in play there. Um, and, and again, I, I believe that ESPN kind of forced top ranks hand, uh, with, with, with pushing that fight on, uh, onto ESPN plus. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously from Top Rank's point of view, yeah, for, for revenue for them, it, it it's a loser. But I think actually they kind of did the fans a favor and letting them off the hook on the pay-per-view price. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you know, this, you know, this raises your article and, and what we're talking about raises like just a ton of questions. Like, what is the right mix? I mean, if you're ESPN, right. you know, I mean, how, how, you know, you've got your stable uh, of fighters, which, you know, to my mind... There, there isn't any one promoter out there who has enough of a stable to just keep everything in house or, or pick up the you know odd independent fighter and and do you know great programming consistently. I mean even even Top Rank. I mean they've had they've done pretty well. You know I mean they've had a lot of good fights as you pointed out. You know Pac Horn, Loma Rigo, Loma Linares, um, even you know Crawford and Dongo. Um, but you know you you've also got like Zerto. Habib Ahmed and now Zerto's an upcoming fight and you've got Jose Ramirez, Danny O'Connor. Um, you know, it's, it's just not consistent and, you know, they have a finite amount of fighters and, and now you've got four networks out there competing for, you know, a, a, a finite amount of fighters and, and, and compelling programming. Um, I guess, you know, uh, if, if you're, top rank at ESPN, like, you know, how, how do you find that right mix of, of what goes on the network, which with the most eyeballs and, and what goes on uh, plus? Well, some of this goes back to how their deal is structured. Um, you know, I talked to a source that told me that the reason why this fight was on ESPN plus is that the, Crawford was guaranteed something like 3 million and Horn, maybe like a million and a half that as part of their existing deal, put it on ESPN, this deal became too expensive. And so ESPN as an incentive to get shows to ESPN plus was willing to throw in more money for this particular show. So maybe, uh, the fights that are more expensive, uh, go to ESPN plus because ESPN is financially, um, incentivized to grow the ESPN plus app. Um, so I think that that has some dynamic in terms of the mix. I don't think it's, it's a question of meritocracy. I think it's a question of how the deal is specifically structured. And because we don't know all of those fine points, you know, um, I can't give you a, uh, a full reading of the motivations because in theory, you'd always want to put your, your big fights in front of more, in front of more people. But um, there might just be a different financial incentive in play that makes the behavior of putting Crawford and uh, Horn on ESPN Plus or fights like that, that might make more sense because of how that deal is structured. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know, I just saw a tweet from uh, Evan Rutkowski, who uh, does the Fistianatos podcast, who used to be uh, a network marketing exec at, at, at uh, HBO. And, you know, he was just saying that, you know, listen, ESPN is assuming that Plus is going to be ESPN eventually, <laughs> you know, that they're not going to have, you know, necessarily an, an, an over-the-air presence, that eventually it's all going to be streaming. Um, 
which is interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess that's the future of television. But, um, you know, if, if, if that were the case, well, I mean, I don't know. How do you see this playing out in the next few years? Just, just how, how do you think? Um, yeah. No, you know, cable, I mean, cable's going to look in like five years. You know, it's a, uh, some of it is the tail wagging the dog, in my opinion, because cord cutting is real and they are losing viewers. There are substantial numbers of viewers they're losing. So to go from 100 million to 85 million, you're looking at a 15% reduction of your total households, which is significant. And I think any corporate exec would be worried with those numbers. Um, but that being said, um, the world is starting to stream, but they're not streaming in any type of numbers that would make somebody want to renounce or give up their linear channels. So I think ESPN's kind of ahead of where the public is right now. They're, they're, they're putting a beachhead out there and, you know, they're willing to make certain moves that temporarily might hurt the overall worth of their product you know, in order to capture that subscription revenue moving forward. Um, another three to five years, it's very interesting to see. Um, I think you're going to probably see uh, uh, closer to, to half and half, 50-50, in terms of number of people watching TV versus people streaming. Um, but then I, I don't know how much faster it's going to go than that. So I, I think it's strange uh not strange, but I don't think that everybody is just going to suddenly give up their TVs. Um, but I do think there is going to be a uh, eventually uh, some significant change in the cable industry, whereby there'll be some form of a la carte pricing uh, in order for cable companies to save themselves. So, and I, I'm sorry if this is like too technical, but I'll, I'll try and uh, keep it. No, no, uh, please get general. technical. Nerd out, man. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Literally for, for 20 years, um, consumer watchdogs and other groups have petitioned the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, and uh, the cable providers to try and make a la carte boxing, or, I'm sorry, a la carte channels or bundles available. Bundles are the numbers of channels. So if you were a bundle, it's, you know, the standard bundle might be 250 channels and then the bundles that could be 500 channels or 750 but you know people have said well i don't watch espn or i don't watch um the disney network you know why am i paying for this so they people love a lot of people would, would have brought up the model of a la carte cable pricing meaning i only pay for the channels that i want and um you know to this point in time uh the politicians the cable companies everybody has kind of successfully fought uh, fought that from happening um, there's incentives in the marketplace, uh, that don't want that to happen. Meaning the big, the big cable companies, you know, or ESPN, for instance, doesn't want, uh, its subscribers knowing that $8 or eight fifty or $9 with the cable bill are going to ESPN. They think there'd be some sticker shock there, right? That makes sense. So they said, Oh my God, why am I paying $9 for ESPN? I don't even watch it. Uh, and then the, the smaller cable companies, uh, the smaller networks, um, they feel if they're not part of a larger bundle, then nobody's ever going to discover them. And so there, there's no way to get visibility. So you had this marriage between large and small, you know, and their political connections, their representatives, their, uh, government, uh, 
bureaucrats, they were all kind of suppressing this urge from consumers to give them more choice. But I think eventually what you're going to see is in order for cable to save itself, uh, and if they continue to hemorrhage viewers, I think they're going to start um, providing more options for consumers. So there'll be you know, smaller packages of channels available, like maybe 20 channels or 50 channels. Um, or maybe you can have the ability to, to pick and choose what channels you want and pay for them. So I do expect that model to change because I think the, the large bundle with the, the $200, everybody's paying them up the 225 whatever it is, I just think that's going to, to survive. So I, ex- I will expect in the next few years, and it might take the next president, presidential administration, the next FTC commissioners, FCC commissioners, uh, I think you're eventually going to see a change. Uh, so I think that will be the way in five years that cable will change a lot. And it will. Um, nobody really uh, successfully knows how much that will change, but I think that will be a sea change. I think cable companies, um, you know, not every company is coming out with a streaming service. You have ESPN and HBO Go and Showtime and CBS, but think about it. You have literally 500, 700 channels. There's not going to be 700 streaming services, standalone streaming services. You know, it's not like Lifetime is going to start doing a streaming service or, um, you know, I'm just tr- I'm just throwing out names here. The, maybe the Cartoon Network would, but you know, whatever is on your standard cable package, uh, TBS, for instance, is not going to start doing its own individual streaming service. So eventually, they're going to make moves to try and save cable and keep, you know, a certain number of users, um, and that will reduce cable bills, and it may shrink the cable industry somewhat. But that might be a protective move in order to you know, keep a base of users. Right, right. Great, great points. Um, you know, a, a couple of things I was thinking of as, as, as you were talking. Um, well, first of all, like I think in boxing, yeah, you, I wouldn't be surprised if promote, I mean, you already have like Debella has a streaming service now for his Broadway boxing. I mean, <laughs> there, are, there will be a lot of these streaming services, I think maybe in, in the short term or, you know, we'll, we'll see how successful they are. But um you know, uh, that that is the nightmare that everything becomes like this a la carte streaming service thing where, where you know, you have to pay, you know, well, you actually see what you're paying for, which I think is like you said, there might be a, a sticker shock effect there. Um, but I think a real wild card in all of this, too, is um, the FCC's decision to repeal the net neutrality rules. Um, that also might be a way that the cable companies kind of, uh, nip the streaming thing in the bud. They could make it punitive to, uh, for, for places like Netflix, Hulu, and something like, uh, DAZN. Um, you know, maybe yeah, you have to pay extra you know, for the bandwidth, you know? That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the last I heard Trump may even go back and revisit the net neutrality ruling. Um, that's still being fought upon, and uh, I don't think that's settled yet. Uh, I do know that currently it looks like uh, there's going to be some allowances for uh, you know some variation in pricing. Uh, I think that's a strong point that you make, and uh, I think that's still going to be played out in the uh, in the regulatory bodies. But yeah, that, that's a fascinating thing to consider. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, speaking of, let's let's get back to the zone and uh, kind of get get back into your yeah. article. Um, you know, you, you presented, uh, you know, kind of three questions, you know, at, at the end of, uh, at the end of your analysis for DAZN, 
Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of, you know, give my own wording to them. But um, the first one is kind of, you know, how many people are really going to buy this if there are already like three networks pretty heavily invested in the game? I mean, I guess, you know, what 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 realistic threshold uh, um, do you think Eddie uh, and, and DAZN are, are expecting or, 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 or are actually going to purchase this thing? That's a great question. And, uh, you know, that's just a question I don't have an answer to. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there was, uh, a num- numbers that were presented in their, in their meetings. Uh, I don't know what that number is. I'd be fascinated to know it. Is it, is it, is it a hundred thousand? Is it 50,000? Is it 150,000? I don't know. Uh, but that, that's kind of like the, uh, um, you know, that is the key, you know, whatever that number is, whatever Eddie thinks he could get, um, uh, yeah, I, I I wish I had more, but that that's the great question that doesn't have to answer at this point. Right, right. Um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of combine the two questions uh, that 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 you had uh, beyond that. And again, I'll, I'll kind of put them in my own words. You 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 know, you're asking about the quality of fights, um, and and as I said, you know, I don't think there's any one promoter out there, you know, including the PBC, who has the deepest roster, uh, you know, by far. Like it's not even close of of, of any boxing entity out there. Um, you know, to, to put, you know, uh, effectively program just using in-house fighters and Hearn's struggling like hell to sign anybody because you have all these other entities out there that are, that, you know, are invested in their own stuff. And, you know, he's, he's tried to raid the PBC and he's finding out that these guys are very loyal to Al and Showtime and Al are, are putting up a fight over these guys. Um, you know, you're asking, you know, you know, will, will they be frozen out? Um, the interesting part is is the promises that Eddie has made to you know at least publicly said he made to DAZN, twelve big shows, four monster shows. I mean, there's only so many monster fights in the sport, right? And uh, you know, and, and if he's keeping Anthony Joshua out of the deal, um, you know, who does he have that he can make monster fights with? I mean, he's got Joshua, he's got Kel Brook, he's got Amir Khan, Callum Smith, Quig, Jacobs, Dylan White. Dillian White, uh, Ryan Burnett, Cal Cal Yaffe, Tony Ballou. I mean, how many monster fights can you make with those guys if he doesn't sign uh, any new blood? Well, he will be signing new blood. Um, I mean, there's no question about that. Um, I have no, um, I have no doubt that he will be signing four or five people from the PBC that are notable. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, they're not necessarily going to leave Al Heyman. It will be similar to the Danny Jacobs deal where Al Heyman will still get paid, you know, his managerial fee. Um, but they will be going to the zone for larger purses. Um, so yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll get, he'll get four guys from, from the PBC. There are people that wish they were fighting more, wish they made more money or wish they're promoted better. Um, I have no doubt that that of, her, uh, the PBC's roster of, I don't know, whatever that number has changed, but let's say they have 60 guys that are notable uh, in the sport. Uh, I have no doubt that Hearn can find four or five of them that he'll be able to pick off. The question that is, you have, you have a couple scenarios though. Who are these people going to be fighting? So let's just say uh, he's able to get Keith Thurman. And let's say that Keith Thurman comes back and he's healthy and he wants to fight again. And, and, and 
who's who's Keith Thurman going to fight at welterweight? You know, what is what does Hearn have to offer him uh, that can fight on the zone? So it's not just the fighters that you need; you need the opponents. So I guess Kel Brook might be able to go back down to 147, but he's going to go to 154. Amir Khan is on his last legs. Uh, he doesn't have guys. You know, he has a couple of smaller fighters coming up on, on 147. But so that's the problem, too. What kind of fights can he guarantee these people? It's nice to sign for big dollars, but if you're not going to be fighting in, in matches that are going to raise your profile in the sport or uh, create more demand or lead to bigger fights, then what are you getting yourself into? So that's a real problem. And, um, you know, even if Hearn is able to pick up five or six fighters, that's not enough to fill, you know, I, I put, if, if it's 12 fights uh, a year that he's, or 16 fights a year that he's doing, uh, and say it's two fights per card, that's 64 fighter slots in a year. Um, that's not enough. You know, who's filling that? So, he's going to eventually have to rebuild or build an American pipeline. He's going to have to, there's not enough people that are out there that are able to, to be picked off to fill the slot. So, you know, in the short term, he's going, he's going to have to concentrate on the first two years uh, because that, you know, hitting the numbers that he set with the zone and, and, and launching the service. But in a real way, uh, if he's serious about succeeding, he's going to have to, invest heavily in American, uh, in amateur scenes and younger fighters. He's going to have to sign a ton of guys. Uh, I don't know if he knows that. I don't know what his plan is, but they're just, uh, the business model of picking off this group of fighters will only get you so far. Right, right, right. And, and, and the last thing you want to do is make an enemy of Al Heyman as well, because he's, you know, if you, if you need those type of fighters, he's holding the bag. And, and if he's not yep. willing to share, you're 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 screwed. Um, um, I want to get back to this point, but I also wanted to kind of cover the other networks um, just to just to you know kind of set set the stage for for where we're at. I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, you know, he's got this ton of money, which is amazing. You know, you, you want that kind of money in boxing, you want that kind of commitment, but. You know, in essence, there's like four islands now in boxing. There's four separate, you know, you know, it's not AFL, NFL. It's AFL, NFL, USFL, and WFL, you know. You've got like four separate networks and, and the entities that, that, that are affiliated with them. Um, let's talk about Showtime, which I think is having an absolute banner year. I think Steven Espinoza and, and Al Heyman kind of get it now. You know, I think they saw... Um, you know, Burke Magnus's remarks, and I'm sure they've more than, you know, spoken to Burke plenty of times. Um, the, the ESPN exec who, who talked about the top rank deal. Um, you know, the, the, you got to make marquee matchups, you know, pe people don't want to see garbage on there. No one's going to watch it, you know, and the networks aren't interested in televising it now. You know, if they're going to spend money, they want the matchups that create, you know, huge ratings and, uh, and, and PBC and Showtime are trying, you know, I mean, you've gotten, you know, Wilder Ortiz, Lara Hurd, Stevenson Jack, Russell Diaz, uh, you know, Santa Cruz Mares this weekend. Um, you know, you're, you're going to see Garcia Easter, you know, Danny Garcia and Porter, um, you know, not to mention, you know, Joshua Parker and, and you know, they, they streamed Frampton Donaire. Those, those are all great fights. It's, it seems like they're on pace to do like 20 shows this year. They're having a great year. 
Yeah, um, and one thing I, I've interviewed Stephen before, and I've talked with him, and um, the thing that comes out to me is his competitiveness. Um, he really wants to win. He wants to be the number one guy. You know, when he took over at Showtime, HBO was still clearly the number one boxing network, and Stephen has methodically set out to reshape that paradigm. And and some of it is uh, now HBO still many of their shows gets better ratings, but um, it's clear the trajectory of, of Showtime is in growth and HBO is in decline. Now, a lot of that is corporate commitment. So I think Stephen has done a great job in getting CBS to buy in uh, to, to bigger fights. They've some, a number of shows have been on CBS. Um, they have used Showtime pay-per-view uh, when needed. And unlike HBO, I think HBO used it as a crutch too much in order to prop up their budget. I think Showtime has used pay-per-view really for the Floyd fights. Uh, and they've done it in the right way where it's a special event. So I think Showtime has seen their budget increase. Um, they, what would you, uh, what would you estimate? Even, what would you estimate their budget is? Oh, uh, that's a great question. So I'm going to think, I'm going to think that HBO right now is between 25 and 30. And I think Showtime is probably north of 40 right now. Um, maybe 40, somewhere between 40 and 50. And, and that's, that's a huge growth for them. I mean, that might be twice of what they were five years ago. Um, you have to understand also when you have these massive pay-per-views, uh, let's take uh, McGregor uh, Mayweather. So the company that puts on um, Showtime, uh, you know, gets a percentage. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's like seven and a half, essentially. Whatever, whichever cable, whichever company is putting on, uh, I don't know, numbers have changed, but somewhere between seven and a half to 15%. And, and uh, but let's say seven and a half percent, 10%. Something. Um, so if that fight generated what do you want to say? $300 million, you know, $400 million, whatever it is, you have to understand that like 10 gets kicked back to showtime. So they get an extra 30 or 40 million. Now let's say most of that goes back to the corporate coffers. Maybe um, this is just me estimating, you know, as, as someone who's in business. And so maybe, maybe 50% of that goes to the coffers or even 70% of that goes into the coffers, but the other 30% gets reinvested into showtime for their budget. So that's one of the reasons why they've been able to increase their budget because selectively they've done very successful pay-per-views that have been able to add, let's, say an additional five to $10 million to the budget. And so, um, part of it is the Showtime brass investing in the sport, but also some of it is the kicking back their profits from these massive shows back into the boxing budget. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they've been able to do that very well. And, and, and I think they've been able to, uh, uh, you know, even last night's show, uh, was close to a $3 million license fee. This is, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Morris, uh, double feature with, uh, with, uh, Heard and, uh, I'm sorry, Charlo and Trout. Um, you know, those weren't, those may not have been doable a few years ago. Cause that's not even one of their biggest shows. This was like a, like a mid-level decent showtime show. And you're looking at a $3 million license fee. I mean, that's, that's not terrible. So, uh, they've done a nice job of growing it. They've grown it organically. They've grown it through pay-per-view. They've, Steven has 
I think, done a very good job of convincing Heyman that we're not going to subject it to trash matchups, which was a problem uh, when Heyman was on HBO and definitely was a problem. Showtime at points. Matchups have been better. They've been building things. There's been momentum. Uh, they've been moving more towards unification fights and larger fights. So I think, I think the, the team is working well there. I think Steven wants to win. I don't think he will take losing fighters lightly. Um, so I, I think he will, he will do what he can to win. And, uh, I, I don't feel like he's a caretaker like Peter Nelson at HBO. I think Peter Nelson is a caretaker of their boxing program. I don't think he's, uh, someone emotionally invested in winning necessarily in, in boxing. I, I think he's, uh, there at the wishes of HBO doing whatever they want him to do. Um, and I think you're seeing different motivations between the two networks. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I thought at the end of the broadcast last night, it was very encouraging to hear Al Bernstein like openly talking about how he wants to see Santa Cruz, Russell, and 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 Heard Charlo um, by the end of the year. Um, I, I don't think as someone who's you know paid by Showtime <laughs> that he's he's going to be saying those things if if they're not already in the talking stage and uh, they're planning to to put those on. So that's that's that's. Awesome, you know. As a boxing fan, you got to. And you have to understand too; these things aren't in a vacuum. You know, I think everybody is aware of the competition. I think, in in this regard, I think the competition will be good. I think it's going to force the existing entities to, you know, do a better job if they want to survive. So I, I think. Um, and listen, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if Al Heyman loses a few fighters to DAZN, and I think he knows that. And I don't mean loses, I mean he goes, goes from showtime. He may still represent them because he may just have too many fighters to really manage properly. Completely so, uh, and to get, he's He's got so, so many fighters, a, they need to be spread onto two networks. I mean, they're, they're not getting enough yeah, work, like, and it's just, you know, it's it's got to happen sooner so or later. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how this is worded because – you know, people will talk about, you know, defections and PVC losing and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I have to imagine that everybody that's going to go is going to be blessed to go, essentially, uh, or most of those people. So, you know, that they maybe they're in a division, for instance, that um, uh, doesn't have a lot for them. Uh, you know, maybe 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 it'd be better for them. So it's like it's like when Danny Jacobs left, you know, it was it was blessed one way or another, meaning. Uh, you know, they didn't think they had a ton for him at 160 on Showtime, and and they let him go. But you know, Al's still making money off that deal, and there could be a few fighters in the similar situation that uh, there just might be better fights available for them in another outlet. Yeah, honestly, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I've spoken to Keith Connolly and 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 so on, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how involved. I think Keith kind of initiated it all, but. Um, you know, Al yeah. blessed it, and and um, and I think you know initially Eddie Hearn kind of made a mistake with with trying to poach. I think I think he needs to go to Al and just work work out a deal. You know, I, I think you know that that's that's the better way to approach it. And honestly, this is the mistake that the PBC made. You know, they 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 thought they could just take over the sport and and be a lone island out there and and do their own thing. It's like you you know if they had with that much money that they had, if they had opened it up to to other promoters a little more and and really you know gave fans you know the the fights that they wanted to see i think they would have had a network deal and and things would look a lot different and i, I think eddie hearn should really take a lesson from that um and open it well, up but just, think, just put on the best fights don't worry about putting money stuffing money in your pocket and stealing fighters 
Well, I think you have to, um, you know, Al, Al and Eddie have worked together for many years on fights. And so I think you have to assume that Eddie's had a number of conversations with Al. So I'm sure Al has uh, indicated that he's tied to Showtime. And uh, it, 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 I, I guarantee you that conversation that probably happened and they probably had many conversations about working together. It just, um, you know, that's where Al has decided to go for the moment. Um, so, but those, I mean, they still may work, they were still may work together. I mean, Eddie still may get some fighters, uh, from Al and, and, you know, with a, with a wink, wink, like, good luck, you know, see what you could do. Um, so I, I don't, uh, I hear what you're saying about, um, being open for business for others. I think that's key. Um, I think one of the issues that the PVC had when they started was, um, was Al more beholden to programming or was he more beholden to his fighters? Meaning was it more important for his fighters to maximize their money or was it more important for Al to have them on fighting on Fox or fighting on NBC? Because it's clear to me that a lot of his top fighters were underpaid relative to what the market would bear when Rock Nation and some other people went after Wilder and Broner and Thurman, they were all offered much bigger per fight deals than they were getting under PPC. So the money is out there, uh, and these fighters were not getting it. And um, the question with the zone, why that's important, is if somebody signs with Eddie, do they have to fight it with the zone? Uh, and that becomes critical because what if the unification fight, you know, is worth more money to ESPN. What if the unification fight is worth more money to Showtime than it is to Zone? Like, you, if you sign with Eddie, does that mean you have to fight on the Zone? I think that's a really big scenario uh, because if it's a closed shop, then that really hurts fighters' opportunities for getting big fights. Right, it's it's really untenable for the sport and the greater good of the sport. But uh, I want to get back well, to that can, point in, in yeah. particular. But let's let's yeah. uh, let's let's get through the last network and and I, oh, I yeah, yeah. highly encourage people to to plumb uh, Adam's site uh, Saturday Night Boxing because he's got a lot of great stuff on there. I, I found an article from 2014, which is like so prescient. I mean, he nailed it. You know, you, you could replace the names and. And uh, it, it, it speaks to what's going on right now. But um, basically, you know, in, in 2014, you were criticizing HBO for not developing new stars, for being a little too beholden to uh, to Al and, and featuring fighters, you know, that, you know, the, in fights that weren't compelling or were going nowhere. And sure enough, uh, you know, you, you've got Al and Top Rank have, have left town and, uh, you know, they've kind of been forced to, to compete for scraps. Um it seems like they're investing in the middleweights, the light heavyweights, and I guess the super flyweights. But uh, you know, they they flirt a little bit with the heavyweights. I guess in the in the Anthony Joshua sweepstakes, um, that hasn't worked out. Um, you know, they've got Jarrell Miller, but what are they really going to do with Jarrell Miller? Um, you know, you really have to question what what young stars are are they developing? I mean, you know, outside of maybe Bivol, um, I you know, I'm not really seeing anything. Talk about the the present state of HBO. Um, you know, it's very frustrating and sad to me because HBO was the gold standard for 20, 25 years in boxing. I mean, I, I, I have a product of the eighties and, you know, when I first got into boxing, HBO boxing, you know, that was, that was the, the king. They, they were the king. And, uh, uh, there was so much, they had 
cornered the sport. You know, it seemed like almost every big name was fighting on there. You know, you made it as a fighter when you were fighting on HBO. That was the, that was the pinnacle, you know, and, uh, and it's been a slow decline. Um, maybe it seems rap more rapid in the last few years, but this has really been happening on, on, over a 10 year period. Um, there was a article I wrote last year about HBO and, and ESPN and, and top rank. And, um, so do you know when Luda Bella was running HBO in 2000 you know, or, or second command in HBO, when he was in charge of their, their boxing programming, um, they had budgets in the late nineties that were 60 million to $80 million a year. So let's put that in 2018 dollars, right? You're talking about, 120 million, 130 million. This is their annual boxing budget. It's right? earned money. <laughs> so that 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 is an amazing, astounding sum of money that HBO committed. So it's clear that there has been a corporate uh, com- uh, decision to reduce their expenditures in boxing. They aren't receiving their return on their investment, or they're putting their money in other places. And I hate when people like boxing fans can be very myopic sometimes and they say, Oh, HBO is a failing network. No, HBO is a very successful network. HBO had profits of like, I don't know, four or five billion dollars a year last year. They're doing amazing. It's an amazing network. It's just they have decided not to commit to boxing. So that's a corporate decision. And unfortunately it's it's been a, a a chicken in the egg scenario where, you know, they invest less and then the ratings go down and then the ratings go down more. So they invest less. And then it's just this, this cycle, it's this downward cycle, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it's been a corporate, uh, decision to invest their dollars other places. So Peter Nelson is there right now as head of HBO sports. They're not making significant investments, uh, in HBO sports. I guess there is a deal with the ringer that they have right now for some sports programming. Uh, but they're just not, if you think about all the different HBO sports programming they used to do, it's just a fraction of what it was. So, um, it's, a, I don't know if HBO is going to be doing boxing in four or five years. I, and I know people have been saying that for a while and I just don't know. Uh, they may be out. I mean, they have Canelo and they have Golovkin and those are their, their two big stars. I don't see a third one coming. Um, they're not, they're not spending a lot of time, as you point out, developing younger fighters. Maybe they're done after those two. I, I don't know. I just don't know what the corporate commitment is. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they exit the sport. Yeah, it seems like the only real power, power play. I mean, you know, all due respect to, to Tom Loeffler and main events, they are smaller companies. They have, a you know, a few pieces, but but they aren't like, you know, they don't have the, the, the breadth of, of, of top rank and, and PBC and and Matchroom, and, um, you know, they, they have a few big pieces, and HBO's working with them, and HBO, I guess the, the biggest promoter they're working with, obviously, is Golden Boy, but even Golden Boy, like, you know, beyond maybe Ryan Garcia, like, who do they have that, that has a, you know, superstar potential, and who, who HBO could develop? Yeah. You know, if they... Oh, if, yeah, if HBO doesn't, if pull out a rabbit out of a hat and, and somehow get uh, Anthony Joshua, which I, I just don't... I'm be very surprised if that happened they're they're definitely uh foundering a bit so that would that brings me kind of to the to the to the last bit here where uh you know i i don't know if you you know 
whatever, whether you've listened to the podcast or not. I, I've been advocating for, for a league or, or some sort of collective where the, the, the promoters come together. And I mean, you've got now these, you know, when, once Eddie starts, you've got, you know, even, you know, assuming HBO is going to be in the sport for the next couple of years, you've got four different networks, you know, for a, with, with a ton of dates um, and, and money, but, you know, with, with different interests and, um, and there's no, obviously the, you know, the sports always been fractured um, and, and you don't have uh, any, any collective uh, unit, you know, making decisions for the sport. But, but to my mind, you know, the, the, the one revelation of the, of the last year or so in boxing or one of them was the world boxing super series where you've got everything that, that, that television could ask for. You've got, and boxing fans, you've got the best fighting the best. You've got like a logical progression of, of you know, quarterfinals, semifinals. You can follow the drama of it. You can follow the fighters. Um, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Um, that seems to be the way of, of the future. And, and even Showtime seems to be, you know, onto that, at least on, on the PBC side of it, where they're you're unifying titles and, and having the best fighting the best. Um, could you see, um, I mean, to, to my mind, it's going to get crazy with these four networks just in terms of scheduling and counter-programming. If, you, if, you, if they're all going to try and, you know, go full force and, and, and put their best fights on, unless the promoters get together and, and have something where, where they're kind of collectively scheduling this stuff. Well, I'm hearing that the, the, the next uh, year of the World Boxing Super Series will be on zone. So I expect them, that will fill some of the slots. So many of those fighters are going to be from Europe. There'll be some American fighters, you know, like, for instance, uh, Maurice Hooker, who won a title yesterday against Terry Flanagan, 140. He'll be in the World Boxing Super Series. So that's one American fighter that I know who will be in it. Well, pro gray um, too, right? Right. And, um, you know, maybe a fighter like Rishi Warren, who's with PBC, goes into the 118 um, World Boxing Super Series because I don't think they have a lot for him at 118 on the PBC side of the, the fence. So um, I hear what you're saying. I, I remember an interview that Steven Espinoza gave about working together, you know, on various fights. And, and he said, you know, if we have to, we certainly will work with HBO. I think this was during the, um, the negotiations for the Klitschko-Joshua uh, fight. Both those networks were fighting tooth and nail, and they wound up making a deal where Showtime had the live broadcast and HBO had the replay. And uh, so Stephen said, yeah, I mean, if it's in our financial interest to work with them, we would. But you have to understand, I have my own network to work to run. I have for parents to please. So you have to make a case, Kurt, of the financial incentives for these networks to, to, to work together, I guess. And, and until there is the business case for that, I don't know how often we can expect to see it happening. Um, because these are not, Showtime is not in the boxing business per se. They are in the subscriber business, right? You know, they're trying to grow people to their network. So it's not Showtime's best interest I mean, sure, they want to see boxing healthy and succeed. It's a core part of their programming, but they're not in it to, they're not going, they're not the commissioner of boxing, per se. Uh, they're not, they don't, they don't own boxing. They don't, 
they're, they're, they're beholden to Showtime. So if there's a business case we can make money together, perhaps that happens. But there have to be a very creative scenario to be worked out for that to make sense. Right, right. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, listen, I, I think obviously when, you know, as, as Mr. Magnus pointed out, when you have great fights, people tune in and that, that's, you know, and, and people will want to tune in. I guess, you know, the way I could see it playing out potentially is, you know, you've got, you know, people, you know, you, you kind of have to deal with the, the hand that, that you have. Um, so the, the PBC is aligned with, with Showtime. You know, if, you know, let's, let's have the, you know, promoters agree to at least, you know, you know, I, I think you could do like five tournaments a year across the networks. And, you know, you know, so, so a particular division, let's say the junior middleweights, you do it one year, then there's like two years to kind of regenerate, you know, the, the, the contenders and, and, you know, have it be interesting. I don't think you could do it every year. And once you have a winner, you also want to exploit that winner and have them defend you know whatever belts or whatever championship you get from this type of tournament uh for a few years and then maybe throw him back into the tournament if he's still at the weight class um but you know showtime has the pbc espn has you know top rank um eddie has his guys hbo has their guys i mean you could work it out where you know i mean hbo obviously has a a big investment in the middleweights maybe they do the middleweights um uh, showtime has Junior middleweights and, and welterweights. Maybe they do that. You know, heavyweights are kind of spread out. So maybe DAZN kind of outbids everybody for the heavyweights. Um, you know, I think as long as you have, you know, great compelling fights and great compelling TV in these tournaments, you know, it makes sense um, to the networks and it should to the promoters as well to, to do these tournaments and, and, and have the best fight the best. And, and I, obviously the fans would be, would be, uh, on board you know they're obviously already on board with the world boxing super series it just um you know cali and 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 that organization has had to work around top rank and work around pbc for the most part um because they haven't been cooperative so obviously there would have to be a meeting of the minds but but to my mind you know it, it works for everybody i mean the best fighting the best generally draws viewers and and certainly uh you know that it would solve one of the the big problems of the sport and one of the big complaints of the sport um, is is if the the promoters just committed to doing to allowing their fighters to be in the tournaments and hopefully they would you know for seeding they would use uh, the the ratings that you're a board member of the transnational boxing ratings or have some sort of hybrid with with box rec I mean that that's my vision <laughs> of it I, I think that's it's plausible, but like you said, it, you'd have to, it's, it's a little complicated, but you know, leagues schedule, you know, thousands of games, you know, s certain leagues. So it's, it's, it's very possible that it, that it could get done. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and, I, and I've come up with uh, a couple of scenarios over the years in terms of, uh, you know, how, you know, how can boxing better exploit um, it's talent to, to make a better product. And, uh, you know, I certainly play with the idea of, of tournaments or, or uh, it, I, I, I think there's a huge opportunity missed, for instance, in America. I love what Japan does to have new year's boxing every year. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a big opportunity that's missed, uh, to do some type of new year's Eve or the night before new year's Eve, make it into a, uh, a weekend of boxing essentially for New Year's. Like, I, I think there are opportunities to 
put dates in the calendar um, that boxing, you know, lack the foresight. And one of the nice things about the World Boxing Super Series is there is some vision of how it's looking. You know, there is a, it's just a year, you know, there's three fights. Um, so I think one of the preconditions that you need for some type of to- permanent tournament scenario is a huge bag of money. Right. So uh, the zone could be a part of that. Um, maybe you have another entity that comes in. That's, that's the exciting thing. You know, if the zone can be successful, um, who's to say there's all sorts of hedge fund money and, uh, you know, and, and investment money that's sitting on the sidelines that looks at, you know, sports as an attractive commodity. Um, there could be other players that come in. Um, but that's that's the thing you need. Is, right, like Amazon, you know, you know, it's been rumored. Yeah, there's there's a lot of players out there with money who you know have have dipped their toe exactly. into live live sports programming. Exactly, and and you know one of the things that the World Boxing Super Series was, uh, you know, they came in with a big war chest of money. Now I'm hearing that year two may be less, but it's still going to be decent money. Um, I think if the money is right, Kurt that could be something that's, that's realistic. I don't, do you know what I mean? But I don't, I don't see them in the existing scenario wanting to give up dates, for instance, wanting to guarantee dates. But if the money was so ridiculous, if somebody came in and said, here's a hundred million dollars to do this tournament, you know, each network, each of the four, you know, is going to get an additional $25 million. Um, uh, you know, to show these kind of fights. Well, then I think you're talking. You know what I'm saying? That's enough money, I think, where people are going to take notice. But I think it's going to take something like that, uh, like some out, some outside entity with real money and some boxing pedigree, and it's probably not going to be, I think you've correctly identified it, it's probably going to be some tournament superstructure and not another player who's going to get his own staple of fighters. It's going to be, you know, we're working within the existing confines. We're not trying to sign fighters you know, the World Boxing Super Series is not trying to sign fighters. It's trying to create long-term deals. It's just saying this is for a year, and, you know, you can be with resisting contracts. But I think if somebody comes in with, with some type of money like that, um, I think that reality becomes more possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and obviously ESPN was very interested. They, they were bidding on the World Boxing Super Series, and, you know, I mean, Todd was in discussions with them. Showtime and HBO were as well. So I think I think the networks, as they exist now, are interested in it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it would just be nice if, if you had, you know, uh, you know a, a schedule like like other sports where you knew, OK, you know, on this date and instead of it being just so harem scarum, like every year. OK, I know that, you know, this is when the playoffs are going to be for, for boxing. And, you know, this year they're doing this division. This year they're doing that division. I think it would be really exciting. But like I said, also, you know, you've got to leave room for, you know, when these guys win the tournaments, you know, they've got to fight somebody. So they're, you know, but 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 looking at the existing, uh, you know, you've got four networks and a shit ton of dates. Um, you know, you got to put, yeah. got to put something on it. So, you know, why not put the most compelling well, think, programming you can, the best fighting, the best. I think over years, you know, I think I think boxing has succeeded in you know, creating that, that Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day weekend. I think it's been important, you know, that they keep programming on those dates regardless. 
Um, it's a shame that the, uh, the Golovkin thing blew up this year with Canelo, but so I think, you know, boxing fans kind of know that big fights are on those weekends. And I think what you're saying, and I agree with is it would be, it's not a bad thing if there were some more dates in the calendar that were fixed every year, you know, that, that could guarantee certain big fights, um, whatever they are, uh, you know, some more consistency in the calendar, uh, that communicates to boxing. This is going to be, this is how we're branding the sport. You know, if let's say it's my new year's thing. So every January third, every December 30th or December 31st, we are going to do a bang up four fight, massive card, blah, 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 you know, from Las Vegas, you know, or from LA, that's going to be, you know, an enormous celebration of boxing. Yeah, well, then su- Super Bowl of boxing, right? <clears throat> whatever it is, you know, it could be a tournament at the end of the year. I mean, that's something I've thought about too. But, you know, I do think there are additional branding opportunities that would be good for the sport. And uh, I wish, um, and maybe that will happen, but uh, I do think there's an opportunity there to create some uh, more fixed dates in the calendar. I, I-, I agree with that. Right, like collective scheduling, you know, like I said, if, if for no other reason, now with four networks operating, just, you know, you, you know, it's just going to be such a clusterfuck of, of scheduling, you know, I mean, yep. everybody, everybody's going to want Cinco de Mayo, everybody's going to want certain weekends. And yeah, you're going to have like, you know, three great shows going out at the same time, the promoters just just work together, you know, um, you know, and agree on, hey, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna just, you know, we're all going to have our own stables. We're all going to, you know, have our own fights. You know, we can keep the networks, but let's just agree to, to the tournament structure every year, you know, for certain divisions, you know, we'll, we'll allow our, our fighters to participate. And, uh, you know, it, it, it grows the sport. It's for the greater good. And, and, you know, you look over at the UFC and having sold for $4.1 billion and doing a TV deal for well over 300 it's you know when you have a, a a unified sport where all the good fighters are pretty much there and it's the best fighting the best that's what you get you know it's about money and uh and you know it's not going to happen in boxing unless the the promoters work together there's just just too many separate entities um who, who are not gonna in my opinion aren't gonna succeed on their own they need to work together well i guess on that note you know i'll, I'll let you go i know you got a lot of things to do today um you know, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, and again, give give people uh, the idea, or, or just tell them where they can go to to, to get your stuff. Yeah, uh, thank again, Kurt. Thank you very much for uh, for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. A lot of interesting stuff, and uh, um, I look forward to reading uh, your work too. And uh, I can be uh, found on SaturdayBoxing.com and uh, uh, SN Boxing both on Twitter and uh, SN Boxing uh, on Facebook. And, uh, and thank you very much. I, re- I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Oh, it was great. It was great having you, man. And I hope to have you back soon. I appreciate it, Kurt. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. And that will do it for another episode of the Boxing Esquire podcast. I would like to thank Adam Abramowitz for making time to appear on the show and uh, giving everyone such great insights on uh, the state of uh, boxing broadcasting. This podcast is it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, if you like this podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comments uh, as that helps folks find this podcast in their searches, and I would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, we'll see you and enjoy the fights.